This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And on the podcast today, we have a returning guest, Jeff Christofferson. He is a missiologist, a movement catalyst, and author. He leads Church Planting Canada and Canadian National Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Sin Network and co-founder of Church Multiplication Institute. He's a longtime friend of Richard's, and he first appeared on our podcast on episode 98, so you can go back and listen to that one if you'd like to hear more from Jeff. In this conversation, they focus on his new book, Once You See It, which we'll leave links to in the show notes, as always. Uh, It's a great conversation about the church and the kingdom of God. Jeff is a just a great thinker and thinking outside the box as usual. I think you'll get a lot out of this conversation. And with that, I'll turn it over to Richard. Well, once again, we have an exciting uh, podcast for you. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is to interview someone who's a leader and influencer, and as well, in this case, a good friend, and that's Jeff Christofferson. Jeff, welcome to our podcast today. It's good to be with you, Richard. We've had you before, and uh, we've just about recovered from that, and so we thought we should have you come back. <laughs> uh, Jeff is someone who, who thinks outside the box. I don't think he even, he's aware there even is a box, but, uh, but Jeff is a thinker um, in, on so many areas of uh, church life, kingdom life, church planting, and so on. And uh, But Jeff, you've uh, in the last year or so, you've had some changes, and so maybe just tell us what you do. I mean, people want to know, Jeff, what do you do? <laughs> Does he do anything? Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I sort of wear two hats. One is I'm executive director of the Canadian National Baptist Convention, which is kind of Southern Baptist in Canada. And so um, I, I lead that, and that's a great joy. And I also lead uh, a ministry that's called Church Planting Canada, and that's Mm. a coalition of 24 different evangelical denominations in Canada working together on church planting. So both those two things kind of keep me keep me busy. I bet. And you're also uh, an author and many other things as well that we'll get into. But uh, yeah, and I, you know, uh, I, of course, was a part of the Canadian Baptist. Baptist uh, National Convention for a long time and uh, um, and love the work there and what you're doing. Uh, tell me, like, wh- what are you excited about? You've been there a year or so, so far. Um, yeah. What are you excited about that's happening? Now, if, if someone is thinking about, you know, hey, I got to align with someone, I, I want to go pastor somewhere, why would they, why would a really talented, gifted minister want to just beetle his way over to your your work there as quickly as possible <laughs> what's going on over there these days well i mean this might sound odd and i'm famous for that <laughs> yeah, was, i was expecting that <laughs> but um the the spiritual climate in canada is changing so rapidly mm-hmm. um it, it's almost breathtaking how rapidly it's it's unraveling and really? um really like evangelicals from World War II to 2016 were about 12 to 14 percent of Canadian population, and um, and from 2016 to 2019, it's fallen to 
it fall to 6.4. And from 2019 to 2021, it's now under five, 4.8% of population. Wow. And, and it's a, um, there's a, there's lots of reasons I'll talk on that. I, I, I can think of six reasons and we won't get into all that, but hmm. there's a, there's a cultural headwinds blowing against, um, Christianity. And, and so it's the reason I say it sounds exciting is that, um, I mean, the church now has an opportunity to, you know, kind of shed itself of a lot of um, forms that mm. might not be, you know, the most biblical form or the most effective form. And, um, and, and pastors are really right now going, you know, what do we do? How, how do we take uh, seriously this um, commission Christ has given us to make disciples. And, um, and, and a lot of people are going, you know, maybe church as worship service isn't really what Christ invented the idea of church anyway, in the first place, the church worships, of course, but it, 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 you know, the body of Christ was, is so much more. Mm. And so we're in a, a, a place in Canada now where I think we're unique. Um, hmm. We have a very conservative theology, and so we're we're not. We have the the joy of being a part of the SBC is like we've settled a lot of issues, and we're not having to sort of work through a lot of things like that. But we have a very adaptive missiology, and so hmm. we're not stuck in old forms. But we're thinking, how do we? How can we um, bring good news to Jesus Christ to people that when they think of church, they're thinking of something that is actually off-putting to them, hmm. and uh, and so we're we're finding uh, a lot of traction. We're finding, you know, there's a lot of churches that are moving left, and. Uh, um, or a lot of denominations, excuse me, they're moving left, that faithful churches are saying, I don't want any part of that. And they're, they're joining what we're doing. We're also seeing, hmm. you know, a lot of, of existing churches saying, how do we, how do we rediscover our mission? How do we become effective in a, in a culture that doesn't want us? And, uh, um, and we're, it's, it's kind of a, in some ways I, I say it this way, it's like, we're becoming smaller and poor and pure and mm -hmm. um, and I think you know more adept at being what Christ has asked us to be in the first place. Hmm. Well, you know, and I've served in Canada for a long time. And uh, if anyone in the states listening to this, if you're ever looking for just a great mission field, I always said, you, you know, you can drive to Canada from the states. You, it's you can if people are afraid of go, going somewhere where they can't speak the language or whatever else, you've got such a huge mission field, uh, and you know pockets of Canada would be considered even unreached people groups and, and, and portions of Canada and, uh, that you could drive to, you could be on a two hour flight and be there, uh, to minister, but what a, what a great opportunity to respond. Um, but yeah, I, I think when, when you're declining that rapidly, you, you can't just keep holding on to stuff because you can't, say, well, this has always worked because right. clearly, clearly it's not working anymore. But Jeff, I know one thing that you are big on and actually my dad and your, your boyhood pastor was big on as well. And that was the kingdom of God. And, mm. uh, you know, I mean, we, we all, uh, support the church, the local church is, is important, but Jesus and John the Baptist and even the apostle Paul were always preaching on the kingdom of God. And it just seems like a lot of people don't they don't quite know what to do with that um yeah and and so why why are you emphasizing so much the kingdom you, you i mean you 
been a pastor, you plant churches, you believe in the church, but but why is the king? Why and why have we sort of missed the kingdom in so many churches? Yeah, I think I think you hit it on the head. Um, and your dad and Jack Connor, who you're referring to, both I think had a had a really balanced perspective that when I be, was a young pastor, I think I shed myself of in search of, you know, a, a fancier, glitzier kind of approach to church. And, um, and it took me a while to find my way back. Um, I think, I think where we get it wrong is, as you mentioned, Jesus mentioned kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven 86 times. Mm. And he mentions church in the Gospels two times. <laughs> that that should tell you something. That should tell us something. <laughs> yeah. And and then you look at the you know the the preaching of the apostles in the book of Acts. It's always the gospel of the kingdom. It starts you know Jesus in Acts chapter one verse three starts off with Jesus setting his disciples aside for forty days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And you know of all the topics he he chose that one topic and. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know that's the that's the preaching message throughout all the apostles. Then you and then you get to the very last two verses. It bookends the book of Acts with the kingdom, where Paul is in in a under house arrest, boldly and without hindrance, preaching the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. I I think you know just how we balance this, or if it's, it's, is that the kingdom of God is our goal. It is I I define it this way. It's what everything looks like when Jesus gets his way. And huh. so huh. it's far more than my Sunday morning experience. It's, it's everything. It's, it's how I relate. It's politics. It's, it's, um, in the environment, it's every, it's every part of Jesus's rule and reign over all things. Mm. And, uh, and so when that becomes our goal, then the king, then the church of Jesus Christ becomes a very powerful uh, institution, or uh, and it, it seeks to serve that that goal, which is the headship of Jesus over everything. But when the church itself becomes the goal, um, it becomes an idolatrous and powerless thing. It becomes mm. our thing, our, and you know we we make fun of it sometimes and say you know small K kingdom, but it really is more than a joke. It, it becomes, a, I think, a very dangerous place to be. Mm. And so mm. uh, we're just trying to keep that order uh, clear in our, in our theology and in our actions that we seek Jesus's kingdom first. And then um, that's our mission. And then the gospel is our message. And, uh, and mm. if the gospel doesn't have a, a, a kingdom context, it just becomes you know, uh, a way to get to heaven. And it yeah. doesn't sort of fit the whole ethic of what it means to live as a follower of Christ. Hmm. And I, you know, I just know if you're kingdom minded, uh, you're going to, you're going to care about what's happening with other churches, even other denominations. You're, you, it doesn't, you know, I've never, I, I, I believe in denominations. I've, I'm a, I've been loyal to mine all my life. I'm loyal to my local church, but, but I love, uh, working with other believers of other stripes, uh, other, other flavors. And I might not agree even with all the way they do everything or all their theological kind of secondary issues. Uh, but boy, there's some great brothers and sisters out there, um, uh, that I really want to succeed. And when you're kingdom minded, when, when some other church, uh, grows and is blessed that then your kingdom is growing and being blessed. It's That's true. right. But, uh, 
Um, well, you know, you, in your and we're going to talk about your your book here. We, I maybe just say you have a new book uh, out uh, that I had the opportunity to read in advance called Once You See, um, and uh, very very interesting book that uh, I, I I'd love just to unpack a little bit here. Uh, Jeff is a a very thought provoking author. Anything that he's written is going to make you think and and stretch you. But uh, this is a very, very creative book uh, that I think just knowing what else you've written, it sort of pulls on all of your journey and thought into uh, uh, into this very creative approach. And one of the first things you do and in, in, in kind of at the outset before you really get into the book is you you mention seven temptations of the Western church. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know if you, if you would want to just highlight a, a couple of those, but uh, that you know that seven temptations. Um, I think I think as uh, church leaders, we probably ought to be looking at all seven of those and thinking through to make sure we haven't succumbed to a couple of those. Yeah, those those from my perspective. So I have I had a couple seats. I started the Send Network, which is North American Mission Board's church planting idea. And then later um, worked with Ed Stetzer in starting what was then called the Send Institute, now called the Church Multiplication Institute. And that's a coalition of 72 different denominations working together. Hmm. And I, I saw this, the same kind of things that I saw kneecapping our work were also kneecapping um, the the many, many other denominations, many other works. And hmm. um and so I, I just kind of listed these seven temptations and made that the framework of, you know, why the mission of Christ is not advancing in the West, where it is in many places in the global church. What, and uh, and so I'm doing that that contrast. I, I start with that framework. It's like two or three pages long. And then I wrote a novel that... Mm -hmm. um, that basically gave a a comparison or a contrasting of three different approaches, three different stories that kind of wove in and out, and you get to see what those temptations do. Because I really, I call the book "Once You See," and the idea is like once you really see something, <laughs> you can't ever unsee it. You can't ever live like you didn't know, and yeah. uh, and so I, I'm trying to move things away from the cold theoretical abstract to a, a very you know a very real where i can see and feel the difference and what i'm finding what i'm is what i was hoping for is actually happening I'm, the reaction it's causing in so many people are um a, a hunger and a taste for that other and uh yeah. and maybe giving an expression that for some people that didn't have a, a very clear picture of how the church and the kingdom might work well and the problem is that we don't know what we don't know, you know, do we? We, if, if you've grown up in the same kind of church, that's all that you've ever known church to be. You, you've never experienced anything different than that, and and you might have had a good experience where you are. So you've liked your church. Good stuff has happened there. You, you've been comfortable. You maybe ma found your your you know mate uh, to marry and raise your kids there, and then all of a sudden you start being challenged to think. Well, don't you think church ought to be more than that, or? You look at a culture that's declining and you think, well, in a country that has this many churches, why are we not having a greater impact on culture? Um, it just seems like we should be having more impact than we are. 
but here's all these church buildings I drive by every week. Uh, why, are, why is it that we're becoming more and more secular and uh, anti-religious in a society filled with steeples? Uh, yeah. But, and, and so, and you, yeah, and maybe just to, to, to say without, without spoiling anything, it's if you ever read a, a leadership book by like Patrick Lencioni or some of these guys that, uh, that, that teach really valuable leadership lessons through story, uh, that is just a very, of course, stories are so powerful. It, it, it just engages us on not just a cognitive level, but an emotional level and even a spiritual level. And so Jeff has taken these seven temptations and then woven it together with a really intriguing story that, uh, as I was telling him, he's, he sent me an advance, uh, electronic copy. And I was actually returning from an international flight, uh, through the night. And I stayed up reading this book instead of sleeping like I should have, <laughs> but I, I kept telling myself, I'm just going to read one more chapter. And that, but then I had to find out if someone gets killed or fired or they come, they, they, they finally get their act together. <laughs> it's like, like Jeff, quit doing this to me. Like I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's exactly what I was going for for the, the lent is kind of to me i use two people's styles i use lencioni's and john grisham's oh yeah 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 lencioni yeah. in terms of you know the the um the the matrix of of a, a of principles and uh and then john grisham i i kind of gave way more of a fable than lencioni would and mm-hmm. uh, and i and it's basically three little store or three stories that uh, story number one is a, a son of an inner city African African American um, pastor who in Philadelphia who watched what the church did to his dad, and mm-hmm. um, and really was soured to church and um, and really wanted nothing of it. Yet in his heart, he still remembered his dad's teaching and had had mm-hmm. a um, you know a hunger for something else. And then there's a second story, and this is again a, a pastor's son. He this son pastors a um, waning suburban Atlanta megachurch. That's best years were 20 years before. He's the son of a very powerful uh, denominational preacher, and he's living in his shadow. Mm-hmm. And um, and and he's watching his church kind of not thrive, and he's looking for some kind of a silver bullet to get back on top. And and then there's a third story of a, a Yemeni's law student who is disenchanted with his Muslim faith, meets a Christ follower, and um, ends up becoming a follower of Christ and be joining a secret community, and and then persecuted, and then his through you know long story he ends up um, in connecting with these two other lives, and. Um, and one ends up in a great story of seeing God take what this guy learned in Yemen, applying it to the city that they were in, and seeing God do an incredible movement. The other um, takes bits and pieces, but misses the heart and mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. misses the opportunity and ends up having to go through the meat grinder one more time. Yeah. And I, you're going to have to do like a sequel so we find out the rest of that story. Because I, I grew to like that guy, but I was wishing he had done well, I better. I kind of modeled him after you, Richard. So, I... <laughs> so then I, there's hope maybe for me eventually. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, there's some really uh, gripping uh, parts of that story. 
certainly the Muslim uh, character and just what he goes through, you know, you, from the Western church mind, uh, you, it, it's, it's pretty uh, Most challenging. of those stories were, were true. I, uh, I didn't just invent them out of whole cloth. I, I, I've been to some places, I've seen this, I've talked to people, and, uh, and I've sort of cobbled together stories that I heard and put them in the life of that, that leader. Wow. Yeah. Is that, do you, I, I forget if you say anywhere, if any of this is based on real characters or not, or maybe you just better not for some of that. No, I, I say they're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, you, uh, Jeff, you're like, maybe to, do you want to share like at least one of those temptations? Like what's one that you see a lot, or maybe that people don't even realize that is a temptation? Well, you know how sometimes one thing influences the rest. I think the very first one that I talk about is the sort of the the idea of philosophicalism, that the temptation towards uh, a hypothetical faith. Mm. And, um, and in mm. that, we speak of, you know, a biblical word, pastuo, belief, and, um, and we make it a noun instead of a verb. We, mm. we, we talk about, you know, I own this faith. These are, the, these are, these are my beliefs. These are the things I own. And, uh, but the new Testament doesn't really give us an opportunity for that. I mean, faith in the new Testament sense is a verb. Um, mm. We don't own it. We do it. We, we don't have faith, faith. So we live faith. And, uh, um, hmm. and, and I, I watch a lot of what we're doing in evangelicalism, um, shooting one another because we have the wrong faith and <laughs> the wrong idea, the wrong picture of the doctrine or whatever. And really even the methodology that we use to um, dissect one another shows that we're not living the faith. And, uh. um, and so I think that, um, that, that one, one sin rules them all. The rest kind of are almost natural poison children from that tree. I mixed mm. my metaphors there, but <laughs> <laughs> your editor would have caught that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and and in the book, even the way you, especially the 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 Muslim or former Muslim character, it's so uh, it's so radical. Like once you start to realize, okay, if this really is true, then this then I can't keep living that way. Like I, it radically changes how you live. And so much of the Western faith, we argue and bicker and criticize each other's faith, but we don't, it doesn't change how we live necessarily. Or, or like the people that, that uh, argue the most that they have the, the more orthodoxy are the ones who act the least like Jesus. And it's like, well, they're just something, there's a disconnect there. I would think that if you really knew the heart, the mind of Jesus, you'd also have the character of Jesus. But uh, but somehow yeah, they're, the, we... they're the snipers that are, you know, shooting rounds on Twitter and whatever. And, and, and yet, you know, often they're the, also the ones the next week that they're on the headlines for some scandal. And, yeah. um, and but so they were policing everyone else's, uh, belief system up until that point. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, and I think just in general, uh, Christians in the church are looking at society in Western culture, certainly, and saying, these trends aren't good and 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 hoping the trends change is not usually a great strategy uh right. but but maybe actually coming before god and saying what adjustments do i need to make and i'll tell you what it's why is it so hard for churches to change though i mean i i know lots of people that might read your book and think wow that is so right but it's we'll never get my church to do that you know? i think i think the process is is um 
again, it's a very biblical process, but I don't know if we wanted to do it. So we, we unlearn something and then we relearn something. And, um, and so, you know, if it's a new paradigm or whatever, we say, okay, I'm going to unlearn this and now I'm going to go do this. And, um, but there's something that has to happen in between that, in that, you know, metanoia, there's a got to be a new mind that happens. There's got to be a, a repentance that happens. We can't just go from one thing and then say, okay, I'm going to grab this next thing until there's actually a repentance in between where mm. I, I think this idea of, you know, God has to blow our minds <laughs> with, yeah. with the new idea that, that it, it's from him. And then I think, you know, we will pursue it with passion because we know Christ gave it to us. And, um, but if it's, if it's just, you know, how do I, how do I get to the, the new idea? Cause this old idea isn't working. I don't think, I don't think, um, we've really come to the end of ourselves yet. And, yeah. uh, and I think that that metanoia is a really important piece. So how, if you're a pastor and you say, I know my church needs to be more kingdom minded, uh, more outward focused, uh, releasing a lot of the things that we do just for our own comfort and, and self-centered desires and and actually just give our way our, ourselves away for the kingdom of god but the pastor doesn't necessarily want to get fired doing that <laughs> what, what how would you advise a pastor that i mean he longs to see god do something that only he can do he's tired of just b- being a religious bureaucrat uh one more year um what how, you know you sometimes things like this don't you don't just get up and have one impassioned sermon on Sunday and then change everything right uh, <laughs> are, are there some steps like what what would you say what's the next first next couple of steps maybe a church leader take maybe you're not even the pastor maybe you're a, a lay person and you look at your church and it's you know that if the risen Christ physically walked in the door and took over that he'd be making radical changes but but then he might get crucified all over again because God's people like it the way it is, even if it's not producing the results that we ought to be getting. Yeah. So maybe maybe, maybe I'll give a bit of a story, <laughs> uh, be a real quick one. But when COVID was coming, um, here, here's how you know I'm strange. I was a little bit excited. <laughs> and um and and the reason I was excited is we had Ed Stetzer and I did a bunch of webcasts with um it was first coming through Italy and Spain you remember that in those early mm-hmm. days and we were seeing yeah. that and we were de- dealing with missionaries and um and um church planters and pastors and listening to what they were doing there and it was like it was like the most Jesusy response that they were doing and they were mm. And, um, and I sensed the Holy Spirit saying to me when this was thing was coming, because I've heard what you just said. So for so many years, pastors saying, you know, Jeff, um, when God called me into ministry, I had an excitement, but Mm -hmm. what I find myself doing is nothing, you know, to do with what God called me in ministry for. And, uh, and I wish I could just do this thing. God called me into for, and, um, Mm. And so I just sense God saying to me, this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity for courage. Um, Take it. You know, who else in history gets a a break like this where things are are shut down to say, okay, how do we change? How do we move? And we ended up putting 1,600 pastors in cohorts and, um, and, uh, and walking them through sort of a coaching time where they were kind of working with each other and we gave them and, um, 
But you know what? I was kind of, while that began, only 25, and these were churches that I would suggest would be on sort of the leading missional edge. If they were being a part of this, they were probably, you know, more forward thinking. And, and they, they were, they were only 25% at the beginning were willing to make some changes. Hmm. 75% were planning on doing everything exactly the way they were when they were done. And, hmm. uh, and by the time we were done that uh, nine week process, only 9% made any changes. So ninety one percent homeostasis as quickly as possible, really. And so um, that just tells me that the conviction of the Holy Spirit <laughs> has to be because it's it's so difficult. Um, I think I think a leader needs to find some some godly friends, fellow pastors, that um, are going to say you know it's Christ's kingdom or bust. And um, yeah. and we are going to lead wisely and might be slowly, but we are going to take the price. And if our church is smaller at the end of this, but it's actually, you know, what do you want? Twelve disciples of Christ or twelve twelve hundred consumers? I mean, yeah. it, it's Jesus changed the world with twelve. And um, yeah. and so, what what could we what could we do um, if we if we just said we're going to lead wisely, lead slowly, but King Jesus is going to be sort of, this is his church, it's not our church, and mm. it's his mission, it's not our mission, and and we're sort of putting our chips in and uh, and then receiving courage from one another because there'll be a price to pay along the way for that. Yeah. Well, and you know, Jeff, you know, as I do, once you've experienced a work of God, you, you're never satisfied with just yeah. going back to what was always done, you know? Yeah. Once you see what God can do in any part of ministry, it's, you just want that to happen over and over again. You, and you know, you're, it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know that there's so much more God would, would happily do if we would trust him and obey him. But well, you, you get to, you meet amazing people. You hear incredible stories of, of stuff that is happening in the kingdom of God. Like, do you have a, a story or two of just like, for some of us, maybe they're kind of stuck in the same kind of church life year in and year out. Uh, and don't have access to maybe some of the folks and stories you have, what's a story or two of just something really exciting that is happening in the kingdom of God right now? Well, I mean, if I if I got an opportunity to meet with um, church plants from 85 different countries mm -hmm. and um, in Thessaloniki, Greece, and in that, like... The, I was going, what am I, what am I doing speaking to these people? And, uh, mm. because I should be sitting at their feet. Mm. They're, they're, um, mostly in persecuted places. And yet the gospel is just, just, I mean, booming and mm. the prices that they're willing, the willing, these leaders are willing to pay. Um, sometimes I wonder, am I even saved hanging around these people? <laughs> And, um, yeah. yeah, and even in North America, I got no examples of one church in, in California that, um, they sent out last year, 400 families to go start churches across North America. And, mm. um, two or three years before that, they sent out 175 families and, um, and, and they're just, they're just, you know, co-vocational. I mean, that's, everyone's going and uprooting their career, getting their job somewhere else, and, and they're going and starting that. And you, and you see this level of commitment to, you know, the cause of Christ. And you go, okay, that's happening here in North America too. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and it sure mm-hmm. makes, you know, the the expectation that that church has, which would be similar to what I mentioned, you know, in other places on the earth, um, it sure makes Sunday church going seem pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have so many, they have so many leaders that um, they they really don't have enough work for them all to do. And so they're, mm. they're going and um, enveloping other churches and it just keeps going and saying, do you have youth we can help you with? There's no nursing home in miles around there that's not being served by their people. There's, um, you know, they're just giving themselves away to other churches because they, their people mm. are, 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 are bent on serving Christ wherever they can. Mm. You know, two things that just stands out to me about that. One is just, you've got to be developing leaders. If you want to be a part of a movement, you've got to be developing leaders. And to do that, you got to be intentional and you got to be giving them things to lead, give them opportunities to serve. And, uh, and, you know, I I mean, you and I know churches where the pastor can't enlist someone to help mow the lawn at the church. And yet other churches are like, got they they can't find enough work for the leaders and well your dad was a great example of this richard where for all of us where um normally people would respond um in ministry saying you know i think god is calling me to x y and um and he didn't keep them he didn't say why don't you why don't you stay here and lead this men's class or he he found opportunities like here's a here's a city that doesn't have a new test Testament church, here's a town or a village or a native reservation or whatever. And he kept, you know, he kept moving people out. And and so as a as a person as involved in the church, you began to realize that this this thing, this mission we're on is way bigger than our church. Yeah. And um and yeah. uh, because I think our thing, our vision as pastors sometimes is it is to build this church. And yeah. then everything gets dwarfed, everything gets small. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and oftentimes, you know, people have, don't have time for that. They, they want their life to go to something way bigger. Yeah. You know, and I, I have a lot of pastors say, well, I just can't get volunteers uh, today. People are just too busy to serve. And I've, you know, I've never had trouble getting volunteers, but I, what I find is if you can't get volunteers, it's, you're giving them way too small of a vision. No, people do not want to waste their time on a small assignment, a small vision. And you keep giving these little tiny uh, you know, meaningless kind of work to do. And they're, they're always too busy for that. Uh, you know, I almost didn't meet my wife because she, she got saved and baptized and then immediately was sent off for two years out every Sunday to a mission church to t- teach children Sunday school. And, and back then you, you had to stay there all during the day and help out in the evening as well and go out on Wednesday night. And like, so she's, you know, a, a young single girl and she's for two years like she i i never saw her at the home church because she's out doing mission work (laughs) you know and and, uh but it was like as soon as you got serious about jesus it's like so where do you think god wants you to go sir and uh uh i i literally knew a guy who's not a christian and he got scared to death of becoming a christian because he said i'll have to start like being a pastor or something if i do that because that's all he'd ever seen and uh, so I, yeah, we're, you know, Jeff, I'm real excited just to see what God is doing through you. And he has been using you in so many ways for so long. But uh, I think certainly in these days, it's so crucial for uh, denominations and, and Christian leaders to be thinking in different ways. And so um, I knew our time would just race by. We, we could, I, I could certainly get you going down lots of different pathways here, but uh, really want to encourage you uh, to get this book once you see 
uh, read it, it'll it, it'll engage you. It, you'll find it great reading, but uh, it'll also make you stop and think and uh, and say, could God really do that? Could a church really function that way? And uh, and you're just gonna have to let the Spirit of God just start speaking to you about the changes He wants to make where you are. But uh, there is more. And uh, for anyone that perhaps is listening to this and thinking, I don't know that my church could ever change. Um, my dad used to say, whenever you say, I don't think it could work here, you're saying more about what you believe about God than what you believe about your church. You don't even think God is big enough, powerful enough to change your church, your situation. And of course he is. And so we just need to trust him and then follow his lead. But all the, the links will be there and and I just would encourage any listener, if you uh, have the discretion to invest somehow in the work in Canada, Jeff's work, uh, in the churches there, they always have projects, needs, pastors they need, church planners they're looking for. If you want to just find a place to invest your life in somewhere that'll be challenging, hard, uh, but also incredibly rewarding as you push back the darkness uh, and for the for the kingdom of God, then uh, I think working with Jeff and his, uh, his folks is a great place to invest your life. So thanks so much, Jeff, for being with us and look forward to seeing you the next time. Thank you so much, Richard. It was fun. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.